Welcome to Mariners Podcast from Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at Tino Junior 20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. It's Tuesday, June 27th. Uh, it's going to be a big pod today. Um, news just came down that Chris Flexen has been designated for assignment. Uh, we will talk about that. A recap yesterday's victory against the Washington Nationals at home, uh, 8-4. Examine Luis Castillo's start. I think this was a typical Castillo start. Uh, some interesting talking points within it. We will preview tomorrow's, uh, or excuse me, today's pitching matchup of Jake Irvin against Brian Wu, and then talk second base trade targets. Uh, over this next week or so, I'm going to pick apart each position that I think the Mariners are could potentially target or positions that uh, people have been talking about uh, where the Mariners should target. So we'll go over second base, talk about targets, talk about what's realistic, and I think that would do it. It's going to be a bit of a longer pod today. Excited for it. Uh, let's have some fun. So Chris Flexen, who the Mariners signed in 2021 from Korea, uh, has been designated for assignment. He signed a contract in 21 that was three years, $12.75 million uh, that lasted through 2023. Um, he was an effective starter for the Mariners in 2021. He threw 179 innings, 179 two-thirds innings, 14 and six record, 31 starts, 3.61 ERA. Last season, he threw 137 innings, 8-9 with a 3.73 ERA. So he was a sub-four ERA pitcher in 21 and in 22. Mariners got quite a bit of value from him in those two seasons. However, his expected ERA and his XFIP were much higher than his actual ERA. He did get a bit lucky. He's not a strikeout pitcher. He averages just over six strikeouts per nine. And this year, a lot of that came back to bite him. Uh, this year's 0-4 in 42 innings with a 7-7-1 ERA. Granted, he started four games and then was demoted to the bullpen and was used primarily in a mop-up role. So while that might not be have been a comfortable role for him to be in, uh, he still didn't perform very well. So Mariners decided to say goodbye to Chris Flexen. Uh, he was functioning pretty much as um, emergency uh, starting pitching depth and uh, in a mop-up role. I would have thought, given his uh, previous two seasons, that the Mariners could have found a uh, some sort of trade uh, for Chris Flexen. They still may. They have seven days after designating him for assignment to find a trade. Oftentimes, the return on the DFA players is not very good. So if the Mariners are able to get anything for him, I think they'd be lucky. Uh, really, it's a move to take him off the 40-man roster. Uh, if he is not uh, if he is not traded within seven days, uh, they can return him to the 40-man um, and place him on waivers, trade him, release him, or outright him off the 40-man and send him down to the minor league. So, there are some options with him still. Uh, I think that something with Chris Flexen was 
bound to happen pretty quickly. Uh, but the team, you know, teams like the Nationals, as an example, I think could use a flexin. They need people to eat up innings. Uh, their pitching rotation, as I outlined yesterday, is pretty putrid. A team with younger pitching who's not doing well in the standings could very well benefit from a Chris Flexen in their rotation just to eat up innings so that their younger pitchers, so they're saving the innings from their, for, or from their younger pitchers. Uh, a team like Oakland could certainly use that. Uh, a team like the Royals could use uh, a pitcher like Flex. I mentioned the Nationals. Uh, you know, a team like the Rockies. Some of these pitching poor teams that are that have younger pitchers on the way could use him. So we'll see what happens. Uh, expected move at some point this season came a little sooner than I thought it might. But Chris Flexen has been designated for assignment, and we will see what happens uh, after this. Again, he's either placed on waivers, traded, released, or outrighted off the 40-man roster, at which point he can be uh, sent down to the minor leagues. Enough on flex. Uh, the Mariners won last night 8-4. Uh, Mariners had 12 hits. Luis Castillo pitched seven innings. Got the win, seven innings, seven hits, three runs, two earned, one walk, seven strikeouts. He did surrender two home runs, moves to five and six with a 286 ERA. He threw 103 pitches. Uh, I always want to say Anthony Munoz. That shows my age and my love for football. Uh, Andres Munoz got his sixth hold of the season. He pitched the eighth inning. Uh, Taylor Saucedo came in in the ninth, gave up three hits and a run, a walk, and two strikeouts in two, two-thirds of an inning. So he gave way to Paul Seawald, who got the cheap uh, third of an inning, one strikeout save, his 14th on the season. Luis Castillo, it was a pretty straightforward performance from him, uh, pitch mix and velo-wise. He's been averaging 45% fastball. That's what he was in this game. 20% slider average. He was up 5%, 25% slider in this game. Uh, he threw 10% sinker. He's been averaging 18.5% sinker. So a little more sinker, 20% change up. That's up 4%. So a little more sink or a little less sinker, a little more change up, a little more slider against the Nationals. He got 17 whiffs on 57 swings. That's a 30% whiff rate. His yearly average is 32.7. The velocity on the fastball was up 0.7 miles an hour, so he was up to 96.9 on the fastball. But he gave up some runs early in the game, and what I have in my notes is that he was screwing around with his off-speed and breaking stuff. Uh, he gave up a home run, first batter, Lane Thomas, on a 1-1 count. Lane Thomas is a right-handed hitter uh, from the Cardinals organization who is very good against left-handers. Um Right, right-handers, especially those with good stuff, should be able to get him out. Uh, his home run came off of a a low and in sinker. Um, he started him with a sinker in, then a fastball low and in, then a sinker low and in. Uh, to me, that's too repetitive as far as location and velocity. So you got three pitches at the same velocity, two of which were at the same location. Lane Thomas was able to hit it out. So to me, that's screwing around a little bit by staying in the same location and not taking seriously, even though he had 13 home runs coming into the game. And then Dominic Smith, their first baseman, left-handed, in the top of the second hit a solo home run. 
off of a slider that was low and in. So Castillo had thrown four fastballs that were belt high, a changeup that was low and away, and then a slider that was, you know, a right-handed slider to a left-handed hitter is naturally moving into the bat path or the swing path of most left-handed hitters, which is low and in. And so to, in my opinion, you know, throwing Dominic Smith, a slider low and in, but in the strike zone is a mistake. Um, You may believe in your slider, but if you're going to throw a slider to a left-hander in that situation, it's either got to be front door or back door, right? It's got to be low and outside, starting off looking like a ball, becoming a strike, or he's got to back foot it. He missed his location clearly, didn't love the pitch mix or the pitch selection. Dominic Smith hit a home run. So those were two, in my opinion, mistake pitches or mistake sequencing, if you want to call it that. I don't know if I blame Castillo completely for, I'm not sure who chooses the pitches or calls the game, but in those two situations, I think those two home runs could have been avoided. So once he surrendered the the home run to Thomas on the sinker and the home run to Smith on the slider, he started to see uh, Luis Castillo challenge with the four-seam fastball, and he eventually settled in. Uh, he wasn't locked in completely, but because his fastball can be so overwhelming, he was able to really ride it out. Uh Lane Thomas, the next at bat top top third was a four pitch strikeout. Um, let's see what else do I have here? Top seven, Lane Thomas, six pitch strikeout, all so fastballs up and sinkers down the entire at bat. Top six, um, Dickerson had a six pitch strikeout against Castillo. They were all all six pitches were fastballs. Same inning, he got Dominic Smith to fly out uh, on the sixth pitch to center field. Those were six straight fastballs as well. So he really just came out and said, you know what? Enough screwing around on um, with off speed, with sinkers. I'm going to throw you fastballs. I'm going to locate them and you can't hit it. And that's basically what happened. Uh, so again, the results were very, very good from Luis Castillo. Seven hits, seven or seven innings, seven hits, two earned runs, seven strikeouts. But I think there's even more work to do as far as um, – pitch sequencing goes and knowing your opponent uh, offensively Mariners look good you know uh, there are more games now where the Mariners are starting to look good than there were earlier in the season and there were some very very good signs in this particular game uh, the four uh, hitters that I want to highlight are uh, J.P. Crawford continues to do J.P. Crawford things he saw 19 pitches in his first three at-bats and you almost don't care what the results are uh, in an at-bat if your leadoff hitter is seeing that many pitches. He's tiring out the opposing starter. He's allowing his teammates to see the kind of stuff that um, the pitcher has. I think especially in an interleague matchup like Seattle and, and the Nationals, it's even more important for Mariners hitters to see the kind of stuff that Trevor Williams is throwing. And that's exactly what J.P. Crawford did. On the seventh pitch in the bottom of the first, he hit a solo home run. Um, and then he saw he saw five pitches in the bottom of the third. 
He saw six pitches in the bottom of the fourth. And then he saw seven pitches in the bottom of the fifth. I just think that there's, uh, that there's, wait, that was four at bats. Sorry, 19 pitches and four at bats. But I just think there's a lot of value in Crawford seeing a lot of pitches, getting deep into counts. And I, I think it needs to be recognized that even though he's been really a 700 OPS shortstop, his on-base percentage, his defense, his leadership, and his ability to work counts uh, makes him a very uh, valuable asset to the Mariners. Let's see, one, two, three. Yes, that was, excuse me, that was in four at-bats. Julio, the one note on Julio, he did go three for four uh, with the run, an RBI, a stolen base. But really, the big thing with Julio in this game was that he was hitting strikes and he was swinging at strikes. And my criticism of Julio Rodriguez these last couple of weeks has been that he's not being selective enough and he's not seeing enough pitches. And in this game, he hit strikes. Now, is that a result of Trevor Williams throwing strikes? It certainly could be. But I like that he was hitting strikes. I think he is such a coordinated hitter that he's going to hit a lot of the pitches that he swings at. And when he's being thrown strikes, he hits them very, very hard. So he went three for four. Uh, good signs from Eugenio Suarez. He had a nine-pitch strikeout. Again, seeing nine pitches is great. He hit a home run in the uh, bottom of the fourth on a – he saw a fastball that was in the middle of the zone below. Then he saw a slider that was in the same area. He hit that out three, 387 feet, 103 off the bat. And then – Maybe my favorite at bat was he hit a sacrifice fly in the bottom of the fifth and to drive in tail Hernandez. And it was one of those at bats where, you know, I don't know that we could or that the Mariners can count on Eugenio Suarez doing the right thing, especially with the bat and making contact all the time. But to see him kind of take it easy and tr- just try to hit a fly ball uh, in a situation that, that called for a fly ball was was great. So he had a, a nine pitch at bat. He had a home run. He had a sack fly where he did the right thing. And those are good signs from him. There's you're seeing more back control. You're seeing better um, swing decisions. And I think he's on the verge of heating up. Then the last hitter I want to highlight is Colton Wong. Uh, Colton Wong in his first three at bats went one for three. Uh, he ended up one for four on the game. First pitch at bat was a short a grounder to shortstop. No big deal. Second pit or second at bat was a line out to shortstop. But the grounder was 100 miles an hour off the bat. The line out to short was 93 miles an hour off the bat. And then he came up and hit an RBI double that was 100 miles an hour off the bat with the 590 XBA. And so why this is important is we saw a lot of soft contact from Colton Wong. We saw a lot of swing and miss, a lot of strikeouts. He looked pretty lost at the plate. And everyone was wondering if he can find his way again. So to see his first three at-bats in this game be 100 miles an hour, 93 miles an hour, 100 miles an hour off the bat is a sign that he's seeing the ball better. It's a sign that he's, uh, I think, swinging with a little more confidence. And the Colton Wong that we will get to second base later, but the Colton Wong of the last six years – has had W that starting in 2017 
has had WRC pluses of 108, 99, 109, 92, 110, 117. So two out of the last six years, he's been a below average W uh, weighted runs created player in baseball. But four of those, he's been above average. Last year, he was 17% above average. And this is not taking into account position, right? Second base is historically a lesser offensive position. So the talent is there. The back of the baseball card is there. He's starting to hit the ball harder. I, I just, I think that there's something, there's more to come with Colton Wong. I'm glad that Jerry DePoto has stuck with him. Uh, again, these first three at-bats in this game were were very positive signs. The double that he hit looked like a home run off the bat. Um, I say stick with him. Don't expose him against left-handers. Maybe don't even expose him against uh, top-flight right-handed starters. But Colton Wong looks good, or looks better. Not doesn't look good. Looks better than he has. Um, and I wanted to point that out. I don't think I have anything else with... Last night's game, uh, nice win. Again, 8-4. Mariners were down 3-1 after three, but came back and scored two in the fourth and three in the fifth to take a 6-3 lead, then scored uh, two in the eighth to go up 8-3, and then Saucedo gave up the one run in the ninth. But Mariners should take this series. I said that yesterday. Uh, The Nationals are an inferior team with very, very poor pitching. Uh, There are no excuses in this series for the Mariners. So, Today's pitching matchup, uh, 640 first pitch is Jake Irvin is go a right-handed starter is going for the Washington Nationals against Brian Wu, uh, one of two Mariners rookie uh, rotation starters. Jake Irvin is 26 years old. He's 6'6", 225. He was drafted in the fourth round by the Nationals in 2018. Uh, he's one and four with the four seven one ERA in a one five two WHIP. Uh, He's not, in my mind, a major league starter, but it's a it's a kind of an indictment of the Nationals um, pitching uh, overall within the organization. He's gone 42 innings, 41 hits, 23 walks, 33 strikeouts, 12.1 walks per or uh, 12.1% walk percentage and a 17.4% K percentage. Only a 5.6% swinging strike rate, which is very, very low. And hitters make contact uh, when they swing the bat. They make contact with 91.6% of the pitches that are in the zone, which is almost 10% higher than league average. So very easy for major league hitters to hit strikes off of Jake Irvin. Uh, 14.4% whiff rate, which is over 10% less than league average. Uh, lefties are hitting 279 with an 851 OPS against Irvin. Righties 233 with a 597 OPS. I would expect to see lots of left-handed hitters in the lineup. Uh, Mike Ford, Colton Wong again. Uh, at minimum, Jerry Kelnick for sure. I think that's the lineup we will see. He throws 36% four-seam fastball, um, averages about 94 30% curveball at 80 miles an hour, 27% sinker at 93 miles an hour, and then 6% changeup at 88. Uh, only one of his pitches is above 12% whiff rate. That's the curveball at 25-8. Um, but a pitcher the Mariners should be able to hit. I think there's not 
a whole lot of excuse against a, a pitcher that doesn't get swinging strikes is easy to hit in the zone. Uh, surrenders a lot of walks. Uh, you hope that they don't get over anxious. You hope that the Mariners take some pitches against him, but I, I assume that the Mariners will do quite a bit of damage against Jake Irvin tonight. Uh, on the Mariners side, it's Brian Wu, 23 years old. We've talked about him a lot on the pod. Uh, he was the 18th ranked prospect in the Mariners system, according to baseball prospectus coming into the season. MLB pipeline just did an update um, recently with the Mariners top 10. Uh, Brian Wu is now third in the Mariners system. He's 97 overall. Uh, so that's, I think his first appearance in MLB pipelines, top 100 and he, uh, which is great. Uh, six, two, two Oh five. So this season, He's uh, his cumulative stats currently in the major leagues is one and one with the five Oh nine ERA and a one, one nine whip in 17 and two thirds innings. Um, what I wanted to point out is that, you know, he, his first start was terrible at Texas. He wasn't set up to succeed two innings, seven hits, six runs, one walk, four strikeouts. If you take out his first start and you just take his start at Anaheim at home against the White Sox and at the Yankees, it's 15 and two thirds innings, nine hits, four walks, 21 strikeouts, a two, three, seven ERA and an 087 whip. That's not the true Brian Wu either, but he, it's to show that he's pitched extremely well in his last three starts after blowing up in the first start. Um, we all know a lot of the numbers, you know, 49% fastball at 95 miles an hour, 28% sinker at 95 miles an hour. You put those two together, that's 77% mid-90s pitches coming from Brian Wu. Difference between he and Bryce Miller is you don't know if it, if it's a four-seamer um, that's going straight or appearing to rise vertically, or it's the sinker that's diving, you know, with a lot of run um, that's diving down. It's a repertoire that is less or that is friendly to left-handed hitters. Um, I was quite shocked when I looked at his splits so far this season. Now, granted, small sample, 17, 17 and two-thirds innings, but he's surrendering a 450 average with the 522 slug and a 1.572 OPS uh, against left-handed hitters. Right-handers are hitting 142 with the 176 slug. So he's absolutely dominant against righties. Struggling a bit against left-handers. Um, I did say this when he first came up that what to watch for was to see how he handled left-handed hitters because of his pitch mix. We'll see. Uh, he's gonna he's thrown his changeup three percent and he's thrown one curveball. But I think to succeed long term, especially if he wants to get um, to face the opponent's lineup for a third time through, he's going to have to throw more changeups and more curveballs potentially. But so far, so good. You can't argue with the results in the last three starts. He's a super exciting pitcher to watch. Um, this matchup against Irvin, Brian Wu should be pretty, should have the uh, very much the upper hand. I expect the Mariners to come out on top in this game. If I was a betting man, I would certainly take the, Mar the Mariners um, money line. But it should be fun. Expect to see lots of left-handers in both lineups, given the uh, platoon splits on both sides. All right. So 
the exercise that I went through looking at second base targets for the Mariners was I sorted by Fangraphs war. You know, you can debate whether you're a fan of the Fangraphs war formula or the baseball reference uh, war formula. Um, I'm on Fangraphs a lot, which is why I, I guess it's just convenient, but it's the one that I've come, I've grown to use quite a bit more. So I sorted by war at second base. Um, I think I did something like 30 plate appearances minimum. And then I sorted by above two Fangraphs war so far this season, between one and two Fangraphs war, and then zero to one Fangraphs war. Now, I'd like to start by saying that Colton Wong in his last, since 2017, which is when I mentioned his first WRC plus number. So since 2017, I'm going to give you his full season Fangraphs war. 2.1, 2.2, 3.5, 1.2, 2.5, 2.4. So basically what he has been is, if you average those out, is a two and a half war player. So we're about halfway through the season. Let's divide that two and a half war in half. So somewhere between one and two war is through a half a season is what you would expect from Colton Wong. The names between one and two war, starting at the top, closer to two, are so far this season, those names are Ozzy Albies, Brendan Donovan, Ryan McMahon, second baseman, Colorado, um, Brandon Drury, second baseman with the Angels, Bryson Stott, Phillies, Jose Caballero's on this list, Jonathan India, Nolan Gorman, Zach McKinstry, uh, Whit Merrifield, Owen Miller, Tommy Edmond, Andres Jimenez, Mauricio Dubon, and Tyler Wells. So in my mind, when I think about Colton Wong, the history of Colton Wong, that I would place him in that group for sure. The group above two Fangraphs war so far this season, the elite, if you want to call it that, are Nico Horner, Cattell Marte, Ha Sung Kim, which I think is more defensive driven, uh, Tyro Estrada, and um, Luis Arise. And then the one second baseman above two Fangraphs war is Marcus Simeon at 3.1. If we start from the top, most of the names towards the top of this list are not getting traded. Marcus Simeon's not getting traded. Luis Arise isn't getting traded. Uh, ha Sung Kim is not getting traded in part because the Padres' depth at second base is horrendous. There's no real, there's no real minor league help on the way either, unless they're planning on putting Jackson Merrill at second base. Uh, Cattell Marte, Arizona's contending. Nico Horner is a centerpiece for the Cubs. Uh, Ozzy Albies, certainly Atlanta's not trading. The next name you get to that might be a potential trade target is Brendan Donovan. We've talked about him. Um, seven home runs, 364 on base percentage, but a sub 400 slug this season. And it was, it's at 389. And last season it was 379. And he's never slugged above 500 at any level in his career. So I bring that up because the question is, is Donovan or excuse me, is Donovan an upgrade over what the Mariners currently have in Colton Wong and Jose Caballero? 
don't know. Um, he has a year and a half of major league uh, experience. That's not a ton more than Jose Caballero. And Caballero is is about as competent as Brandon Donovan is at this point. I went on my rant a couple of uh, pods ago about Donovan. Tyro Estrada, who I mentioned earlier, is a possibility. He's on the Giants. He can play second, short, third. He could play corner outfield as well. The Giants have a ton of organizational depth. They always do. That's a Farhan Zaidi um, characteristic for their GM. He currently is sporting a 113 WRC+, plus, but he's an important cog in the Giants' lineup, and the Giants are currently two and a half games behind Arizona. I don't think they're trading Estrada, who's cost-controlled um, for quite a while. I don't think they're trading Estrada unless they were out of um, contention in the National League West. That could happen, but as of right now, um, I don't think that that will happen. I do think that Zaidi is smart enough to know that if he can trade Estrada for a higher-end prospect, he might. Um, if they did, Tyro Estrada is arbitration eligible next year and a free agent in 27. So you would have three, four, three and a half years of team control uh, remaining. Uh, so a pretty good asset. I don't think it's happening, though. Uh, Ryan McMahon is the next one um, that I want to bring up. I know that he's been uh, talked about a bit. He's a, a 110 WRC plus currently, which is second on the team to Nolan Jones. He's seen very much as a centerpiece of that team. He signed a team-friendly six-year, $70 million deal in 2022. He seems to be a 250 and 220 home run hitter uh, perennially, which doesn't sound bad, right? It's a couple home runs more than Colton Wong, maybe a little less defense. Um, however, when you look under the hood with Ryan McMahon, and he's been a subject of some trade rumors, not just the Mariners, but elsewhere, it's all against right-handers and it's all at cores. It's all at cores. And so if you do take that that chance on Ryan McMahon, you know, the asking price is going to be high. And so you're paying for a player who you don't know if he's actually going to perform outside of course field. And he he's an uh, while he is an upgrade, he's not that much of an upgrade, right? So this year against right-handed pitching, he's hitting 276, 369, 901 OPS. And against left-handers, left-handers, he's hitting 236, 292, 674 OPS. So he is a almost a platoon, uh, strong side platoon second baseman. And then his home road splits this year, he's hitting 277. So that's not as bad this year as it was last year. He's got six home runs against or at home and six on the road. But for his career, he is Ryan McMahon has a hold please 842 OPS at home and a 674 OPS on the road. You're talking about a hundred over 150 points of OPS better at course field versus uh, on the road. So no, thank you. Seattle Mariners play at a big park, tough on left-handed hitters. No, thank you. I'm good. They're going to be asking for a lot. Uh, 
Drury's on the Angels. Bryson Stott has a ton of team control on a team that's paying a lot of salaries, very valuable to the Phillies. They don't have a replacement. Next name when I'm going down the war list after Bryson Stott, Jose freaking Caballero. I've been saying that the Mariners' second base situation, while it can be improved, is not as bad as you think. Caballero is an asset. Um, He's got a better Fangraphs war so far this season than hitters like Nolan Gorman, who's got a ton of publicity for his home runs, Jonathan India, Tommy Edmond, Andres Jimenez, Jose Altuve, granted he's been hurt, Jeff McNeil, Glaber Torres. I just... Caballero is good and valuable. And just because he's not a star, you can't couple him with Colton Wong as far as saying that, you know, he's not performing. Yes, Colton Wong is very much not performed up to expectations. Absolutely. But Caballero has exceeded them. And so he is part of my argument as to why I would not mortgage much as Jerry DePoto. I would not mortgage much to improve second base because Caballero has been playing very well. And I think that his ability to take walks is not going to um, decrease in an extreme manner. It's he fouls off a ton of pitches. He's a tough at bat and he's shown that he can hit base hits and, and get hit extra base hits if pitches are thrown straight down the middle. So again, it's interesting to see Caballero here on this list. Um, and then the others that I think the Mariners could potentially target, uh, Zach McKinstry has hit very well for the Tigers so far this season. He's more of a utility guy. Also his first season of really hitting well. Um, I don't think he's much of a different player than Caballero at this point. Whit Merrifield for Toronto Blue Jays, 105 WRC plus mutual option for six, 8.8 million next season. So he's controllable next season. Doesn't do anything for me. It's more about the name than anything else. Um, does not do a lot of damage with the bat, uh, steals some bags, but is is just kind of an eh for me. I'd rather have Wong and Caballero. Andres Jimenez is interesting. He hit very well for the uh, Cleveland Guardians last season. He's really struggled this season, um, much more so than anyone really anticipated fantasy-wise. I think people were very interested in him. 246, 313 on base percentage, 379 slug so far. Only a 4.9% walk rate, five home runs, eight steals. Um, he's regressed. And while he put up a great season last year, it was Babbitt driven in a lot of ways. He did run a low walk rate. Um, he's fast. He's a good defender. Uh, there is more upside than what Wong Caballero platoon offers, but I think, and then the Guardians have a ton of depth in the minor leagues up the middle, but I still think they would ask a pretty penny for Andres Jimenez. Glaber Torres, we've talked about, he's in that below one war category. Hits for power um, would be a defensive downgrade over what the Mariners have, but um, but does provide a presence in the lineup. And then the last one, and the one that I might be most interested in, is Jorge Polanco, uh, second baseman for the Minnesota Twins. Polanco's been injured this season. He was injured a bit last season. Uh, he's 29 years old. But Jorge Polanco takes, last year took a ton of walks. 
Um, and he hits for a lot of power. So in 2019, Polanco put up a 3.3 war season. He had 22 home runs, 107 runs. He hit 295 with the 356 on base percentage. Uh, in 20, it was COVID year. I think it impacted everybody negatively. He hit 258. In 21, he hit 33 home runs, 97 runs, 98 RBIs, 11 stolen bases. Um, that was a 4.1 war season for Jorge Polanco. Last season, he was hurt, as I said. So he played uh, 104 games, 16 homers, but he ran a 14.4% walk rate. I think part of that was he was taking a lot of pitches because he was injured. But 235, 346, 751 OPS, it still was a 1.8 war season for him. And this season, he's been hurt off and on. He has five home runs. He's hitting 250. But the power is there. If he's healthy, he is a presence in the lineup as a left-handed power hitter, um, switch, hitter power, switch hitting power hitter, excuse me. Um, so lots of power, took walks last year, pretty much a 260 hitter. If he's healthy, he's getting close to 30 home runs, probably 25 home run true hitter. Uh, and he's owed, so he signed a five-year, $25.75 million contract in 2019. Um, he's got club options for 24 and 25, so the Mariners would actually control him through 2025 if they traded for him. And the Twins have a ton of depth that could play second base. Uh, Nick Gordon's injured, but Nick Gordon could play some second. Edouard Julien is their top second base prospect. They've got uh, Farmer, uh, Solano, Willie Castro. Royce Lewis has come up and played third, but he could certainly play second. He's been a, a star so far for them. Jose Miranda's in AAA. He hit pretty decently last season. Austin Martin is in the minor leagues. They just, they've got a ton of minor league uh, depth and talented depth. And so trading Jorge Polanco is not, um, would not hurt their team. Uh, the Twins are always looking for pitching. I think there would be a match as far as dealing younger pitching. I could see a an Emerson Hancock for Jorge Polanco type of trade happening very easily. Uh, I would love it. I, I think I think Polanco is a player, and I think he would provide the merit, really lengthen the lineup by providing a presence. Obviously, his health is the question, but um, I would love to see it. And then, uh, really, I don't have anybody else on this list. So what I have is Estrada, who I don't think would happen. Donovan, who I've talked about why he's not my favorite um, trade target. Uh, McKinstry is basically Caballero. Merrifield is not. Not an upgrade, in my opinion. Jimenez has upside to be an upgrade, but has played very poorly this season. Uh, Glaber Torres would cost a lot and and um, doesn't provide a ton of defense. And then Polanco, again, is an average defender at second base, hits for a ton of power, um, talented hitter. He's the one I would like to see the Mariners target um, if the Mariners decide that second base is that much of a need. But as I've said, Colton Wong and Jose Caballero, I'm confident in enough to give Colton Wong another, I'd say, up to the deadline to see if he can't um, shake the cobwebs and get going. And Caballero is a nice insurance policy. So 
that was my long uh, second base trade target uh, segment. Tonight's game should be fun. I expect a W from the Mariners with Brian Wu on the mound against Jake Irvin. Um, again, Chris Flexen was DFA'd. We'll see uh, to to put Trevor Gott back on the roster off the injured list. We'll see if there's a uh, anything else to happen with Flex. Thank you for listening for, to today's Mariners cast from Sports Ethos. Once again, you can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20. That's T-I-N-O-J-R-2-0. And the podcast at Ethos Mariners, E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S. Take care, you guys. Enjoy your Tuesday. Peace.